Hey, Billy, why don't we tell them what we're about, man? So we're here to welcome you to the Madhouse Chronicles. It's a talk show with myself, Billy Morrison. And me, as the This man, Prince of Darkness, and we watch and react to the maddest internet clips. What do we discuss, Ozzy? Drugs, rock and roll, aliens, all that kind of shit. Drugs, rock and roll, aliens, and all that kinds of shit. Come and join Ozzy and myself. Visit OsborneMediaHouse.com to get special access to... Come to, on! What do you say? Do you think it's the wildest show on the internet? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Ready, it's time for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. Welcome to episode 438 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. This week I have a great interview with creator David Whalen, who has made such wonderful books as The Offspring and Evolution Utero, Volume 1. As he likes to call it, he's a one-man band on many of these books, doing the writing, the artwork, even the lettering, and some coloring at times. So he's quite the force when it comes to creation of comic books. We talk about The Offspring and how the book came to be, as well as what the story is about. And then we delve into Evolution Utero, which is another creative and fascinating story. And we also talk about what he's got coming in the future. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy what he has to say. A word of warning, sometimes when we record we get some background noise and we have that with this interview, so you might want to turn up the volume a little bit as you listen to the interview. But don't miss it and don't let that distract you because he's got a lot of great things to say. There's a lot to get to in this episode, so let's get on with the show. Great to welcome to the podcast, David Whalen, the creator of such good things as The Offspring and another interesting book called Evolution Utero, which we'll talk a little bit about, which I got a chance to read. So how you doing, David? Good. Thank you, Wayne. I appreciate you having me on. It's good to talk with you. I'm interested because when I saw your name out on Comixology, which is where I got Evolution Utero from, it described you as a teacher, an art, no, I think it's a writer and an artist. And I was just sort of curious. I thought, uh, is that the proper order to, to identify yourself? That's the proper order that the money is made. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, all I'm right. an elementary school teacher. I've, been, I've taught all levels, high school, middle school, uh, elementary right now. I'm an elementary school teacher, and I have been for the last uh, better part of a decade now. So I really have a great day job where I can uh, uh, draw with kids all day and then come home and hang out with my wife and kids and draw comic books for the rest of the day. It's a great gig. That's cool, because, you know, uh, I'm sure it's different now with all the pandemic stuff happening. Are you teaching from home? I am teaching from home, actually. we uh, I just finished uh, live classes on our Google Meets that we've been doing. I've had two or three a day for the last probably month and a half, and uh, it's really interesting with kindergartners, trying to get them to pay attention on Google Meet, uh, trying to draw with them uh, when they're all at home and they could just be playing their video games or watching their cartoons or playing with their toys. So uh, it's been a real uh, interesting 
situation, but a real a real eye opening and fun one too in some aspects. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good because uh, this is an odd time where we're all doing different things. I mean, you're at home and I'm at home and stuff like that, and occasionally our dogs interrupt. And uh, so you never know what's going to happen when you're in a home situation. There's a DJ on the radio who is in the middle of doing his stuff. He'll call off to don't touch that. He'll yell out. And I know he's talking to his daughter and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. So, yeah. so we, we have to get used to those kinds of things. So let's dive in and start talking about your, your books. Now the company I, I'm interested that uh, print your stuff is called correct handed productions. Are you left-handed I am left-handed. Actually, I streamlined that probably about uh, um, a month and a half ago, two months ago, and I just made it correct-handed comics. Oh, okay. I started off with correct-handed productions because I do write novels also. Mm. Um, and I have a novel, it's a Western, called The Last Ride to Tyburn that I put out. Oh, my gosh, it's been five years now since I've been done, and it's been on Amazon. Um, but I realized that with um, creating comic books... I do have a second novel in the works, but it's been in the works for about five years. <laughs> wow. So, um, so I decided to streamline it to correct handed comics just because that was, was my main priority. That's the main focus right now. Uh, so and making it really easy so there's no confusion about what we're putting out. They just say, yes, I am left-handed. Yep. Okay, because I used to work with a lady who was left-handed, and she used to have a sign that said, hire the left-handed. It's fun to watch them write. And it had a picture of the person trying to write like as if they were right-handed with their left hand. Oh, yeah. So their hand's all the way around, and they're trying to do that stuff. And I always get a kick out of that. Whenever I see left-handed, I always remember that because it's funny stuff. The left-handed person is real. Yeah. (laughs) So it's really interesting. So uh, let's dive into The Offspring. Because I'm really fascinated by, you know, when I discovered you were a teacher, it kind of helped me understand a little bit about the story. Why don't you explain what The Offspring is to folks that have never seen it before? Yeah, I came up with a story um, probably about uh, 25 years ago. And really, the the main focus was I wanted a story where I could change genres fairly easily. And I wanted a story that had characters uh, that were more like the people that I knew. I was growing up, I loved Batman, Superman, Captain America, all, Spider-Man, loved it all. But I, I wanted to create a story that had people that were going through struggles, that uh, friends that I knew, and then some of the struggles that I was going through also. I did not want them to have costumes or code names. They all do have uh, superpowers. The three main characters do have superpowers. Uh, and I always make the joke that uh, I came up with the term no flights, no tights. Uh, before mm-hmm. Smallville made it famous. Um, and it was one of these things that I wanted to have these three characters meet them at their lowest possible point in their lives, in uh, while their lives were before that not great to begin with. Um, so all three main characters were abused physically, mentally, emotionally uh, in their homes, and they were sent to a uh, alternative home. It's an orphanage, but I don't think those exist anymore, so I call them an alternative uh, school. And it's in this school where there were other kids. These three main characters uh, came to realize that they were bonded towards to each other. They were attracted to each other. They, uh, they had a connection to each other. And as they grow, we kind of jump back and forth between them as 10 to 12-year-olds and then 20-year-olds um, in some of the later stories. I just uh, put out issue 12. So I was able to be able to jump back and forth a little bit to give a little backstory on how they met and, and how they knew they were connected to each other. 
Uh, but these, these three main characters come to realize fairly quickly that they're connected to each other. Um, so they realize through this bond that they are kind of like a catalyst to supernatural goings on. So they, the joke I make is that they're fighting demons inside and outside. So they start to realize that all these weird things that are happening in their town as the story progresses, that they are the reason these weird things are happening. And they try to, to deal with their own personal problems along with fighting these demons off. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the great things you do is uh, at the beginning of – and you have two volumes of it. That's how I access them. I bought them through Amazon. And Yeah, and the, the thing that's interesting to me is that you have character bios at the beginning before the things go – the first one is Will Sampson, who was all four two in height, and you know, age of twenty, and super strength and nearly impenetrable skin. And he has an unexplained telepathic link with the other members of the clique. You call it. And I was kind of interested in that. I, I get a kick. His name is Will Sampson, and yet he's, he's super strength and stuff like that. Of the three main characters, he does not have a nickname. Of course, with a name like Sampson, he probably doesn't need one. That was my thought also. He uh, his he is the one with the most, I would say, in the group, the one with the most common sense and willpower. So with his name being Will, I just kind of saw his name Will and his last name, obviously, Samson, uh, of being a nickname in and of itself. He is kind of like the, uh, the unspoken leader of the group. He's the one that seemingly has it the most together. Uh, so I, I didn't really think that he was the kind to... Um, to put up with nicknames or anything like that. So, and quite honestly, in the book, uh, I rarely use um, their their nicknames with each other. Uh, for me, the nicknames was kind of like a tool to be able to, for me to hone in on what their abilities were, and for the reader to be able to get a better understanding, a pretty quick understanding of what their powers were. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things in his description that, that I found interesting was that he had a life changing fall down a set of stairs when he was very young. The fall severely injured his spine and and inexplicably stunted his growth, causing him to be short and stocky. And I thought that was interesting because, you know, normally, you know, superheroes are usually very tall and very slender. And it was interesting to have a character who is not like that. Yeah, the uh, usually the things that these, these three main characters go through would just cause them physical or mental injury. And they do have physical and mental, mental scars. Um, but Will is definitely one of those characters that he reacts differently to almost every physical or mental thing that he comes across. Um, he's super, super smart. So he's, he's one of those characters that, uh, um, that I think really drives the story forward. And his fall, which I show later on in, in the book, um, to show all three of their backstories um, mm-hmm. in the book, the fall, he doesn't even remember it. So it's one of those things that the other two characters, Will, uh, I'm sorry, Sarah and Vin, uh, Vince, do remember their trauma. They were right in the middle of it. They were way old enough to be able to remember why they were at that alternative school. But Will doesn't remember it. He just knows that it's something that happened to him. So that's something that uh, we're I'm going to explore a little bit later on in the series. Mm-hmm. So he's a very interesting character. You're right. He's a natural leader, it seems like. And he's, he's also a teacher, if I remember correctly. He is, yeah. He actually holds a few degrees, um, and he, he's, he's genius level. Um, that's kind of hard to write because I'm not genius level. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, as, as we get in, like, actually issue 13 here I'm, that I'm working on today, actually, it's sitting right in front of me. 
um, I really wanted to show that uh, genius-level uh, problem-solving and critical thinking skills that Will has. You see it in, in one of his main storylines. Um, you see it a little bit, but it hasn't really gotten, I've been able to, to branch out and be able to show it to the reader as much as I, uh, as much as I will in the next couple issues. He's clearly the most common sense of the three of them. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, the other, another character, uh, it's interesting that the two guys are first and the lady uh, brings up the, she's the third one in the, in the bios. Uh, second one's called Vince and he has a nickname named Bl- uh, Backwater. And he's a hydrokinetic. Talk about, you know, who he is and, and his power. Yeah, he, uh, growing up, he lived in squalor. Um, he uh, isn't the brightest bulb in the box, uh, but he's got a good heart. He's one of those characters that growing up, he never got attention. Uh, so he, he craves that attention. And, and I think that's pretty clear in the first couple issues uh, that he oftentimes craves that attention in, in inappropriate ways. Uh, and a lot of times dangerous ways also. Um, he's definitely probably one of the uh, characters that shows his mental scars um, as well as his physical scars from how he grew up. But his, yeah, his hyperokinesis was uh, brought on because his mother, who was a drug addict um, and didn't really pay much attention to him, uh, her favorite method of discipline was throwing hot water on him. Mm. Uh, so when he eventually got old enough to be able to kind of fight back. He, uh, his mom went to scald him with the hot water and he, without even knowing it, uh, stopped the water in midair and threw it back at his mom. Hmm. So he comes to realize that he um, not only can control water, but can control the water and the fluids, the body fluids inside of himself. Um, and that shows in a, in a funny kind of gross way in one of the first uh, fight scenes. Uh, when all three of the characters are together, Will tries to get these bullies off of Sarah uh, when Sarah's just trying to relax after she's just coming out of prison. And uh, Will asks Vince to take care of one of these thugs that's all over uh, Sarah. And he doesn't really, he's not really a fighter. So the, his only recourse, the only thing he thought to do to get this person off of them was to throw up on him. And because he control control his, his fluids in his body, he does it without even thinking about it and just grosses everybody out. So he's, he's, he's uh, one of those characters that, that I think does things completely different than any other character I've ever seen in comic books um, because of his lack of self-control. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. You're really a different character. Like, these characters are so unique. I mean, I, I have not seen anything like them. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Really, something. Now, the third one, of course, is Sarah, and she has a nickname called Disarm. She's nineteen, and according to the book, she's a high-level telekinetic. So, talk about her and her powers. Yeah, she um, she's one of the ones that is definitely a character that does not uh, show her feelings. She keeps everything really close to the best. She's not one to even with Will and Vince, who are probably two of her closest friends, or she has that connection with. Um, she oftentimes shows Vince that she does not care for him, even though she does care for him. <laughs> it's kind of like pushing him away, um, just like she pushes everybody else away in her life. Um, her and Will have a little bit of a different situation because she trusts Will 100%, and that shows through some of the storylines uh, throughout Volume 1, 2, and in this next volume that I'm working on right now. 
Um, but yeah, Sarah was mentally, physically, sexually abused as a, as a young girl. Uh, and we open up the story uh, on her uh, running from her, uh, come to find out later on, it's her father, who um, who is physically and mentally abusing her. Uh, and she, just like uh, uh, Vince, starts to control water without realizing it. She goes to her safe place in her mind. Uh, and before anything can happen, she opens her eyes back up again, and she has essentially disarmed her father from being able to molest her, being able mm-hmm. to, uh, to physically abuse her anymore. Um, and I, I won't say exactly what it is because I think it's a, a pretty bold uh, uh, visual, um, and I like it when people see it because they go, what just happened? And they're trying to put it together uh, in their brains, what they're actually looking at. Um, and then uh, it starts to, to come to them, and they're like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that that just happened, that she just did that. So Disarm, her nickname is, is kind of a play on words because she uh, creates force fields that she can push people, she can move things, she can, she can blow things up if she needs to, um, but it's also a way for her to be able to keep herself separated from everybody else around her, which is really, right now, all she wants even with these other two characters, Will and Vince, that are clearly connected to her in more than just um, that they were all abused. Because, again, I have to say, these characters are very unique, very different, unlike anything I've seen before, which is great, you know, because they're in a school situation, and they have a lady that's in charge by the name of Mrs. Blake. And, of course, I'm reminded of the X-Men and their setup and things, but this is so different than that that I was really, I was impressed to see something that was different and unique and something I hadn't read before. I never read a lot of comics in my time. So it was, I think it was really quite the accomplishment to come up with, even though there's some familiarity to it, there's a lot of unique things going on. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yeah, when I, when I came up with the, the concept and the, the idea for the book, it was one of those things where I wanted to start with a premise that was strong but could also be adjustable as I went. Um, and, and I think this this is um, like I was, I'm working on issue 13 right now, um, and it's starting to get nuts. It's starting to get exactly what I wanted the book to be um, from start to finish, uh, exactly where I wanted the book to go, and uh, and and just coming up with with different ideas to be able to play off of these characters. Um, even though I know the story and I have the story till the end, um, it just keeps getting better and better for me. Even as the writer going, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I want to do with this character. To be able to get him on the pages is very rewarding, and I love it. And I appreciate your kind words. Yeah, I'm interested too because the bad guys are are interesting as well. The first volume has. Uh, let's say a guy who will do anything to become immortal is how he's described. He has like a cult. And, of course, like all good cult leaders, he's being manipulated, or seems to be. And things are, boy, they're really quite dark, I have to say, when things are going. So it's interesting because the other, you know, this book is very much, you know, comics tend to be very light in their perspective. To see something that's this dark and this different. You know, it was kind of an interesting experience for me. So I really thought that was something, you know, the cult. And we've seen cults before, of course. You know, you you have uh, all kinds of cults in Marvel and stuff like that. But these guys are very unique. And, of course, I have to say, (laughs) when the guy is saying, when he's telling all these kids and stuff, and he's kidnapping children. And there's a reason why. And, of course, I won't go into that here because I want people to read the book. But 
let's just say that <laughs> I was surprised to see the reason why. I was I was shocked to see that because it was really something different. And I, you know, I I thought the way that the the three offspring handled that. I don't know. If, is that like a group name? The offspring is that is that something they'll come up with eventually? Yeah, it's actually um, there's a twist to it, and I am just getting to the twist now. Mm. It's something that, uh, that I wanted to kind of uh, fester and have kind of bubbling up in the first. 13 issues, which I'm kind of calling season one, um, and now in uh, issues 12, 13, 12, 11, 12, and 13, um, that starts to get explained a little bit why the book's called The Offspring, um, and it might not be exactly what people think it is. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, the second volume, I, I get a kick, there's a thing that says, the subtitle says, Action, Adventure, Creatures, and Chaos. It says in there, and we get into again. You have a a, a bio for a character that I kind of get a kick out of. Uh, his name is Ruminant, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. And I got a kick because he's got like horns on his head. Well, it, it's like ram horns. It's not like devil horns. And they encounter this guy in a fighting situation. And more than that, I don't want to say because I don't want to spoil what's going on in the story. But uh, you get to see a lot more about Will in the second volume, which I really liked, we get to explore his character quite a bit more. And I really enjoyed that because his character is really, really interesting. I, I, I'm just fascinated. At 20-year-old, he seems so much more mature than other people. Yeah, that was definitely my plan with Will. Um, as the series goes on, like the end of book four, you start to see like little cracks, um, little problems, maybe little, little problems seeping through in, in Will's psyche. Um, but to definitely in his story arc, his two-issue story arc, uh, where he fights Ruminant, uh, it definitely starts to seep through a little bit more. You start to see a little bit more of his unsureness, um, of his um, of his little areas where he lacks that self-confidence. Every other area in his life, he, sh- he projects that confidence. Um, but that was definitely one thing that I wanted to show with Will, that maybe he doesn't quite have it as, as together as he projects that he does or people think that he does. Um, and for me, that um, showing Vince and Sarah, who do not have it together, and they will admit it right out, <laughs> they do not have it together, but showing Will, who is a character that does seem to have it all under control, uh, where there are little aspects in his life where the, the thread, you pull on one little thread and it starts to kind of unravel a little bit, I really just think it makes his character even better. Um, and gives uh, gives him a little bit more depth to to uh, to what we saw in the first four issues of the book. Mm-hmm. Now the second volume is five issues in it, and it comes to a, a a kind of a interesting conclusion in that we were starting to figure out what's going on behind the scenes. And I will not in any way spoil it, but I was fascinated by it. There's some interesting things going on. Uh, there's 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 interesting things about religious characters and you know i always think religion is a real danger if if it's not done right mm-hmm. but i think it's really interesting the way that you handled that that you show as well as you're dealing with the dark of of dark side of other stuff you deal with the dark side of religion yeah in there which i yeah. thought was interesting yeah it's it's tough and i definitely wanted to make sure that i wasn't bad mouthing any religions uh, mm-hmm. but showing that even good people can make mistakes, or in this case, um, it's not the 
it's not the religion that's making a mistake. It's the individual person. Um, and it, it does kind of uh, have touchy subjects in it. But I think, uh, I think being just as honest as you can about it, especially in a story like uh, Sarah's story, um, that is clearly a story about uh, our differences um, and how we think about ourselves and the universe. Um, and those religious differences are, are there. Um, and I'm, for me, it's about talking about those we, those issues that make people uncomfortable. Um, so having those two characters who could not be more difficult or more different uh, than each other, um, butting heads, um, for me is is kind of like my analogy of yeah we're different but let's let's talk about it and clearly in the in the story it goes completely wrong, um, but hopefully it's that conversation in the real world that would not go wrong, um, and and being able to show the the real the religion aspect, um, showing good people and, and on both sides also, and then bad choices on both sides also. Mm-hmm. Now, another interesting character that comes in in the second volume is a, is a youngster by the name of Caleb, who has difficulty with other people, shall we say, adjusting socially and stuff. And that's way to say it, yes. Yes, because I well, yeah, I I always try to make it so that I don't spoil, because sure. <laughs> I want people to be able to to read the story. And get, uh, his storyline is interesting. You have started the storyline, but by the end of volume two, it's not complete yet. It's not complete, uh, which I found three, really interesting. Yeah, for for issue for volume two, uh, which is issues five through ten, all uh, uh, the the storylines they they come to an end. But it's not an end. It's open, uh, open-ended for a good reason because issues 11, 12, and 13 bring all three of those main villains back um, to be able to um, to be able to uh, teach or uh, or have the the, the offspring the, the click uh, uh, grow in different ways. So it's it's bringing those three characters back to really wrap up those storylines to really wrap up those three characters um, to find out what happens to them in the end. Um, but I'm trying to go through the, the method of um, if I have a good villain or I have a good character, I don't want to kill them off. I want them to be able to come back. The first villain from uh, issues one, uh, one through four, the first, uh, the cult leader, Silas Cherry Street, um, I have plans to bring him back to be able to kind of get his revenge, um, probably issue 40, issue 41, somewhere in there. Uh, so these char- the idea of these characters coming back um, after their storylines were, were the storylines with the click was wrapped up, but the storylines with the villains were not. So um, showing how they uh, come into the story and how they're re- really used by those uh, godlike creatures to kind of flow in and out of the story without any real explanation, um, all those questions get answered in 11, 12, and 13. Okay. This is, this is what's so- all. Well, of course, I've got to ask. I got the volumes one and two through Amazon. How do we get uh, the the individual issues, or uh, you know, how do you make them available to people? I mean, are they, is Amazon the main way to get them? Yeah, right now uh, I'm looking at some other outlets, but Amazon seems to be working pretty well for me, and you can get individual issues. Um, like I said, I just put out issue twelve of The Offspring uh, a month and a half ago, um, and uh, there is an author page. Um, if you actually, if you just on Amazon, Google my name, Whalen, and then the offspring, all of them will pop right up. Um, so that's that's right now. And if you go to my website, correcthandcomics.com, it has links to every single book that I've ever created in the history of time. 
<laughs> so that's probably the easiest way to be able to get to it is to go to the website, correcthandedcomics.com, uh, and there's links for everything. Now, it's, but I want to talk transition into the other book. But before I do that, something really interesting about this whole process to me is that it, it says that the offspring is created, written, penciled, inked, lettered, and colored. This is 6 to 10, and other ones are colored by you. So you basically do the whole thing. I'm a I mean, one-man band. Yep. Yeah, because I'm always interested. The reason why I asked that at the beginning about artist uh, writer and artist and stuff like that because i always want to ask people who do both are you a, a a writer that draws or an artist that writes I'm and an i'd be curious to, yeah okay all right that's what i was curious to find out because i'm always interested in that because the creative process always fascinates me mm-hmm. and i'm always intrigued i mean do you do this on the computer um, most of the the line work pencils and inks are done uh done traditionally uh, with pencils and uh, pens uh, on a regular piece of paper, and I shrink it down and scan it in and clean it up in the computer, and then the, the colors are done, the colors and letters are done digitally. Um, so it's a whole big process, one that I'm just uh, probably be fine tuning till the end of my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of a, a process of both um, traditional and then digital. Because you bring in some folks to help you color on occasion. Yeah, I do. And- uh, issue one, and I believe issue three. Um, I was lucky enough to have two great uh, colorists come in and be able to, to really help me, really help me actually with the tone of the book um, and how um, I wanted to be able to uh, view these characters and the, the where to put in dark, where to put in light, where to make it um, brighter, where to, where to tone it down a little bit and just let kind of the story flow without the, um, the, the, the lightness or the darkness getting away. Um, I was really lucky enough to have those two colorists come in uh, and help me out on issues one and three, but uh, for issues two and then five and beyond, it's it's been on me. Wow, I mean, you know, I don't know many people in the industry that can do this many or wear this many hats. Maybe the best way to say it. I mean, it's did you start out drawing and then took on these other things, or how did you get to the place we can do all these different things? Yeah, I, I definitely started out drawing, uh, like so many artists in, in my position. I. I've been drawing since I popped out of the womb and uh, uh, kept on drawing and drawing and drawing. And I, as I kind of realized that I wanted to create comic books uh, in the area I grew up in, there weren't, there weren't a lot of people like me that wanted to create comic books. So as I got a little older and, and uh, was talk certain, you know, tried to go to conventions and try to talk to people in the industry and artists and writers, um, uh, the, the one big thing I kept hearing from everybody was, well, if you're in a situation where you draw, but you don't have any writers around you, then you better learn how to write. Um, so, and I took that to heart. Uh, and from then on, I think the next week I came up with a concept for the offspring. Um, let's say it was 25 years ago. And, uh, and it really, it really uh, took hold on me. And, and as I grew and as I uh, got my, you know, my uh, bachelor's and then my master's for, for teaching and started teaching, I got to a point where I knew that the stories that I wanted to tell, I was ready to tell them. Um, I was ready uh, to be able to get those characters and get those those action scenes and get that uh, that that uh, um, characterization on the page the way that I wanted to do it um, and the story that I wanted to tell. Uh, so that's that's one of the reasons why I probably about five or six years ago now I uh, started getting in with some really really small press books. Uh, started to to just kind of kind of get some feelers out to do some six page 
fillers in here and, and a, 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 an issue there for some small, really small press books and came, came to realize that, that I was ready to just do it on my own, ready to tell these stories on my own. Uh, so that's when I started uh, Cracktown Comics and started just getting out as much content as I possibly could. Uh, quick but quality is what I like to say. Quick but quality. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's, 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 it's impressive to be able to do all those different things. Just wow, I, I you know because so many people choose one thing or another. I mean, there are some writers who draw, but it's better that they don't. And some artists who write, and sometimes I think it'd be better if they stuck to the artwork. But it's great that you can do all these different things. Oh, it's definitely uh, it's definitely continues to be a learning experience, um, learning and growing and changing and getting better. Continuous improvement of my craft is is. Uh, um, something that is just a daily basis where I'll go, why don't I try this and it doesn't work? Or why don't I try that and it works great? And say, oh, awesome, that's that's exactly what I wanted to happen. Or a page comes down and like, this is not turning out the way I want it to turn out, so I'll kind of backtrack a little bit and come at it in a different way. It's uh, it's definitely a learning process. Um, and I would say that the coloring aspect is the one that um, is the most challenging for me. Um, challenging in a good way. Um, because it's it really helps to be able, like I said, create that tone of that double book. It's really fascinating. I, that's how I got into podcasting. I, I started talking with somebody who was doing a podcast. I was fascinated by the whole process, and I decided I wanted to learn the whole thing. And so I began to do the, the learn the process of it, and I started to to find the ways that I thought would work the best. And, you know, I, I, that's the way I was. I wanted to do everything. I didn't want to have anybody else do anything. I wanted to pick it all up myself and do it. So that's how I got started on it. I've been doing it now about eight, nine years. So it's just something about that. So now I have to tell you, we got to get to the book that is really creative and really different. And that's Evolution Utero, Volume 1, The Conception. Talk about that, or what what the concept is for that book, if you would. Yeah, it's probably the closest thing I have out now to a, to a traditional superhero book, but it's not really a traditional superhero book. Um, but the the idea that I had was, um, if you meet someone who is the worst kind of person that you've ever met, somebody who is super selfish, somebody who doesn't care about other people, somebody that has no drive and no ambition, no goal to be able to do anything or make themselves any better. Um, that's essentially the main character of this book, uh, Sarah uh, Anaba. And she is the, the kind of person that you, like when you first meet them, you're like, oh, she's okay. And then you get to know them, like, oh, she's not okay. She is selfish and um, mean and, and only cares about herself and maybe even the small group of friends that she has around her. Um, but still, it doesn't really um, show that she cares about those people. Well, I thought, what would happen, uh, and I came up with the concept uh, probably about three months after I became a father for the first time, 14 years ago. Um, what would happen if, if this kind of person got pregnant and was, was about to become a mother? And then what would happen if this baby that's growing inside of her developed superhuman abilities? Mm-hmm. And how would that physically and emotionally affect her? Would it change her in a positive way? Or would it would hit send her down a path of even more selfishness because she can do because of this superpowered baby that's growing inside of her and develops superpowers in her also uh, could, does she use those powers for good or does she use those powers for evil 
come to find out that uh, the the baby kind of takes control and kind of changes her uh, changes her as it goes. Um, often her making her do things that she does not want to do, but does them anyway because she feels she feels empowered to be able to do positive things instead of negative things. And um, and if she sticks on that road of positive things or not. Yeah, the thing that that amazed me <laughs> the most, you know, normally pretty quick in the process, somebody, uh, uh, they, they have the child and the child goes on and they have to, you know, they, after the birth process, then they, they, the relationship is different. In your book, while the child is in the womb, <laughs> the child can do things. And sometimes... I mean, it looks like they, through the womb, are are doing thing and being seen, doing superpowered stuff. Which I have to say, that's that startled me when I saw it for the first time. Oh, good. I'd, 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 All right. Well, I'd, I'd never seen that before, and I was just like, "Whoa, <laughs> look at this! This is something I, you know, because I've been reading comics for a long time, and this is something I have never ever seen before. So I was just like, "Wow." I just, I, I mean, where did the concept come from that? Because normally in comics, people don't go down that road. Yeah. <laughs> what made you want to go down that road? Um, you know, like, like I said, when I when I kind of came up with the concept, I, I had never, I've been reading comics books for a long time. Also, I've never kind of seen that idea of the, the idea of, I hear, you hear it all the time in comics, this, this person was born to be a hero. This mm. person was born to be this thing. Uh, whatever it is, born to be a villain, born to be a hero, born to be super, or whatever it is. Um, but then I thought, what if, what if they start showing it before they're born? What if, what if you get an indication of who this child is going to be before they are born? And how would that, how would you display that? How could you visually show that? Um, and what would it happen? What would happen to the the mother um, if this child started to? want to be a hero before or want to do these positive things or, or these superhuman things before I was even born. Mm -hmm. um, and it was a long time of, of trying to really figure out how visually um, to show that, how, when to show it and when not to show it, when to, how to introduce it, um, which I think I introduced it in a, in a pretty good way, a pretty, like, mm -hmm. so pretty startling way. Um, mm -hmm. And then how to be able to pull back a little bit and have it be Sarah's story more than the more than the baby inside of her story. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Well, yes, it makes it perfect sense. The thing that that I, I another thing that got me about this book, and there's four issues of it out, and I read all four of them, and I was surprised how you ended the fourth issue. Shall we say? Um, you ended it in a way that normally comics don't end up things again now, if you want to read something unexpected read your stuff because i am always surprised and that's a big thing for me if you can surprise me boy that is something unique in my experience thank you and, yeah, kind of turn on its head a little bit oh man when you get to the end of the fourth issue uh i i don't dare spoil it but all i can say was it was not what i thought was going to happen <laughs> Yeah. Again, thank you. That's that's exactly what I was going for. So I really appreciate it. Yeah, we, we, we get to see that. Well, things might not always turn out the way we expect. Is the only way I can say it. Because yeah, I, I just uh, 
yeah, with Sarah, it, you know, she had been making bad decisions her whole life. How quickly does that change for a person? Even if they want to do better or, or are, or are provoked to do better, um, in stressful situations, do, do they really do better? Do they really make, does someone change that quickly? Um, and in Sarah's case, like I said, I don't want to spoil it, but <laughs> in Sarah's mm-hmm. case, uh, it, it, she proves harder to change than, than the story implies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. I, now, now talk about the, the bad guy in this, too. Can, can you talk about him without spoiling too much? I think so, yeah. He, he doesn't really show up very quickly. Um, this is one of those things where um, there's, there's a, a, lot of, a lot of action, a lot of, of characterization uh, throughout the book. But the bad guy really doesn't show up until issue four. Uh, he, um, issue three, end of issue three, beginning of issue four, and then he takes center stage issue four. Uh, and it's, yeah, how can I say it without giving it away? It's <laughs> a time travel element mm-hmm. where Sarah is confronted with her choices uh, for good or bad. And the bad guy um, is there um, to to uh, kind of stop her from making the choice that she makes that ultimately uh, affects the future in such a way that he cannot control the world and he wants to control the world. Mm-hmm. Grandi- Grandiose is the name of the, the villain. I, I really, when I came up with that name, I was, I was very pleased with myself. I really liked the name. <laughs> so, <laughs> Grandiose, and it's very um, Aztec-inspired, uh, very South American Aztec-inspired uh, villain. Uh, for for reasons that that uh, become apparent in issue three and issue four, when you start to see the world that they come from, um, and she is uh, confronted with not only choices that she made, but also confronted with what her future might be. Also, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's it's wild. Of course, now I gotta know at this point. You know, you talked about the fact that you're still working on the offspring. Are you still working on this book as well? I this was kind of like I wanted to end it like Back to the Future ended. Mm-hmm. That makes it like the, the story is like there. It, it wraps it up, but it also, um, but it also can, could connect to part two and part mm-hmm. three in the in the in the first four uh, for first four uh, sorry miniseries. Uh, she doesn't even have the baby, um, which I thought was was a good a way to be able to end it. Where people thought, oh, at the end of this book, she's going to have a brand new baby. Nope, mm-hmm. <laughs> not yet. Um, so, uh, so it definitely lends itself to the next volume, which, which I plan on, um, getting to probably in the next year and a half or so. Um, and quite honestly, I don't think in volume, the next volume, she's going to have the baby in that volume either, because I have a very, very specific plan for her and how I want her to be able to eventually have the baby. I kind of saw it as, this might sound weird, but I kind of saw it as rounding the basis. Mm-hmm. Of, of baseball, so mm-hmm. the the first four issues, the first four issue miniseries is getting to first base. Mm-hmm. The second one is getting to second base. Then third third base is when she's actually going to have the baby, and then the home run is when it really does. She changes her life and that baby's life and everybody's life around her for the better. Um, so I do have a plan for uh, the next volume two, volume three, and volume four. Um, it's just like I said, I'm a one man band, so it's going to take me a while to get there. That's what I'm saying. If you're doing everything like you are, I mean, <laughs> that's going to take a while for you to get all that done. 
So that'll be good. Gosh, now, of course, I want to know what's going to happen. So I'm going to have to keep t- tracking it, which leads me to a good question. If we want to follow your stuff and keep up with your developments as they come, what's the best way to do that? I do most stuff on uh, Facebook. Uh, so at Correct Handed Comics on Facebook. You can find me on uh, Twitter also at Handed Correct. And I have a, a, a separate page for The Offspring. So at The Offspring 00, uh, they have their separate page. And I do some different things on each Twitter, Facebook account uh, to be able to show some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, some of the process to be able to create some of these books. Uh, and on um, Instagram also, it's david.whalen.1614. So uh, lots of different avenues to find me, and all of them have links to my website, correcthandedcomics.com, which has, uh, like I said, links to every comic I've ever created. It's got links to my novel, uh, my Western, The Last Ride to Tiber. It has previews. It has uh, bios, my bio. It has um, upcoming stuff. It has a whole bunch of stuff. So check it out. Mm -hmm. Well, I have to say, there's a funny little uh, saying that goes right next to the logo. It says, don't get left out, <laughs> which is very witty, I thought. Now, I've got to ask one more thing, too. Uh, well, maybe this will answer the question if I ask it this way. Do you have other projects that you're working on that we should be aware of? Yes, I have a one, uh, one shot. Um, in between uh, doing The Offspring, I, I had so many other different stories that aren't four issue miniseries they're not 100 you know plus page graphic novels they're not ongoing series so i in between some of the issues of, of the offspring i'm going to start putting out some one shots and the first one shot came out in january it's 24 page black and white noir thriller i'm a big fan of uh, noir thrillers of the 30s and 40s and alfred hitchcock type storytelling um and it's called shady lady uh, and it's about so no have no superhero powers, no anything like that. It's a it's a very much a down to earth um, action thriller about a female lead who is dealing with her own mental and physical issues, living in New York City, and how she kind of navigates through um, some of the stuff that's happening in society today. Um, how a person who is one hundred percent a leader. 100% um, someone who takes charge of the situation, 100% somebody who is going to uh, who is going to step up to be able to help people who need help um, is the main character. And it kind of shows how this main character kind of goes through some of the, some of the weird things we've got going in our society today. Hmm. Well, i got to ask you, because at the end of the second volume, there's a full-page ad for a book called I Won't Stop. Is that another book you're doing? That's another book, and that's probably the closest thing I have to a, a traditional superhero book coming out here. I, my plan is to get down out by August. Um, I haven't really put a date on it yet because I'm crossing my fingers for August, but it might be a little bit later. Um, but it's that's a really a tr- not a traditional superhero story. It's got the cape, it's got the, he's got the boots, he's got the costume, um, but it really is, I think, more of a um, more of a look into the mental and physical breakdown of a Superman-type character after he goes through um, the most traumatic event that, uh, that, that I could come up with in my deranged brain uh, that any person could deal with. So how does any normal person deal with this tragic event, uh, let alone how does a superhero deal with it? Um, and it's how it affects him mentally and physically, how it affects the other superheroes around him. It's kind of like a Justice League-type um, 
archetype type uh, characters that try to help him, um, and how it affects just the normal average person if this Superman type character um, went a little went a little nutty, not in a not in a villainous way, but in a in a um, in a psychological way. Hmm. Try not to give too much away about that one because I really like that. Yeah, <laughs> I want to yeah, yeah. wait until I have it all. Uh, I've got it all figured. It's all thumbnailed. It's, it's, I know exactly what's going to happen with it um, and how it's going to end. And I think the ending, again, will will kind of take people back. Good. Well, I, I know I'm going to get something different when I get one of your books, so I, I'm looking forward to that one. Um, last thing I'm curious about is I noticed in all your books you have a certain question that you list in there. I think maybe being a teacher that has something to do with it, it says, where is your safe space? Is that something for us to, you know, to to kind of deal with reality, especially now in this current pandemic stuff that we've been going through? That's kind of an interesting question to ask. Was that is that the teacher and you kind of trying to reach out to people and kind of uh, helping us cope with some stuff? I think so. Um, it definitely has to deal with the three main characters of the offspring that um, that have had to deal with some pretty pretty messed up stuff that no human being should ever really have to deal with in their life if, if people were to act the way people should act, um, if people were to just be cool. Um, but it's, it's definitely um, a phrase, uh, where's your safe place, is, is a phrase that uh, I'm going to continue to use throughout the series. I don't actually say it in the books, um, but it's coming up. So it's one of those things where it is a... Where is your mental safe place? Where do you go to feel safe? Where do you go to to be the person that you can you want to be without without judgy eyes or without self consciousness or, or without being self conscious about about people judging you? And these three main characters definitely are not in their safe place right now at the beginning of the book. So as we move through the story. Um, they'll definitely start to see where their safe place is, and I'll start to kind of bring that tagline uh, home a little bit for, for these three characters. Um, and actually, eventually going to be four main characters. I touch on that in issues 11, 12, and 13. If you notice in Will's story, line, his two-story uh, arc, um, there was kind of like a ghost figure presence that was trying to get a hold of him, um, and I kind of dropped it. Um, because I was because I wasn't it wasn't ready to be part of the story yet. Um, in issue 11, 12, and thirteen, it, it starts to become a part of the story big time. Hmm. Cool. Kind I like foreshadowing. To for into Will's story and then mm-hmm. pull back again. Cool. Well, I, I like foreshadowing. Like I was going to say that that it's it's nice. It gives me a sense you know where you're going, and I it's like driving a car. If you, you can get in a car and wander around. But if you get into a car and you're going someplace, it feels much more like you're accomplishing something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's I, right. I've definitely got the the end. Um, I'm looking toward looking for hundred issues, mm-hmm. uh, but I know exactly where it's going. I've got it all plotted out, um, uh, and it's it's. Uh, I think it's going to be great. <laughs> Are you going to ever cross over these guys? I've got some. You know, it's funny. I've got some storylines that I came up with that I actually had to pull out of the main series. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't quite have a place for them uh, organically to go into the tradition, uh, the, the transition of of one storyline to the next storyline, um, especially coming up here for issues 13, 14, 15. Because um, it's like I said, I'm going to start to do some different genre bending uh, and the kind of 
horror theme that they have is kind of turning into a sci-fi theme, and the sci-fi theme is going to turn into time travel, and the time travel is going to turn into uh, turn back into horror. So it's going to kind of be an ebb and flow of um, of really dark, then kind of more sci-fi, and then get back and get back into. But it's definitely something that I've been thinking about doing with some of these storylines that I uh, had to pull out of the main uh, 100 issues, maybe as a, a trade paperback or something, just kind of, uh, this is another story that happened to them kind of thing. Cause I, I have one three issue storyline that I came up with. I love the, the villain. The villain is, is not your normal villain. And the way that she intera- interacts with these three main characters, I think is just hilarious. And it gives a little bit more insight to uh, Will Vince and Sarah's background where they were right before we meet them. Um, so I'm probably going to get that three issue story arc out sometimes a trade paperback. Goodness, you're a busy guy. <laughs> you I'm trying. Full time job in the daytime as well as doing all these things and raising a family. Wow. Wow. Well, we'll have to be patient, I think, at times and. And just be, it's worth the wait. So I think we'll be enjoying it. So David, I mean, keep up the wonderful stuff. It's going to be great to see what else you have in mind because I'm, I'm a creative guy like you, I'm sure has lots of irons that you want to put in the fire. So I think we'll have to stay tuned and see what you're going to be up to. Thank you. Man. I really appreciate that. People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy. And I can't do that as Bruce Wayne, as a man, from flesh and blood, I can be ignored, I can be destroyed, but it's a symbol. Get the latest from the comics universe. News, interviews, previews, and reviews. Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast so you can keep reading your comics. that's it for this episode. Be back next time. I'll have another great interview with an excellent comics creator, something I'm sure you won't want to miss. But until then, keep reading your comics.